This is Limit Up, the place where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology to take your trading to the next level. Hey, traders, this is Eddie Horn from Top Step, and this is Limit Up. This is where we talk with traders, market participants, and trading psychologists to help you improve your trading. Today, I'm joined with our good friend, John Hoagland. Hi, John. Hi, Eddie. Hello, everybody. How are you doing today, John? Doing great. You know, John, today we've got a podcast with Matt Davio, and Matt is educator. Uh, he's a founder of the Market Profile Trading Academy, and of course, he is very involved in Market Profile. Well, the Market Profile, as anybody that knows me, has been very near and dear to me for mm -hmm. my trading career. Absolutely vital. You know, John, both of us, and uh, you know, coming off the trading floor, we grew up with Market Profile. You know, John, what attracted you to Market Profile? <laughs> well, my dad was on the grain floor, and he was actually a friend of Pete Stottlemyre, uh, who was, you know, considered the grandfather of Market Profile, him and Jim Dalton. So uh, my dad told me about Market Profile. I think I was in eighth grade, but it wasn't until... I was struggling in the pit before somebody kind of reminded me of it, gave me a book about it, and uh, it's been, you know, my vital tool ever since. I love it. John, I've used Market Profile to tell me where the market is and how it's behaving. What do you use Market Profile for? Same thing? Well, Market Profile is really a context tool. Like Matt talks about, it explains in real time what the market is attempting to do and how good of a job it is doing getting there. Right. And... I tell you that part of the puzzle is finding out how to get there. And uh, wait, you know what? Let's uh, let's kick in the interview here and uh, get started with this podcast. What do you say? Let's do it. All right, uh, podcast. My interview with Matt Davio. Matt Davio traded full time for twenty nine years. Former fund manager, now turned private investor. Worked with such industry names as Peak Six and Parallax over the years. He's learned that traders need to keep it simple. His goal is to pass his knowledge and insight on to you. Founder of Market Profile Trading Academy, because the profile revolutionized his approach to trading, and he believes it can help others. Would you please welcome Matt Davio. Matt, how are you? Eddie, thank you for the kind introduction. As always, it's a pleasure to chat with you, and uh, I'm doing pretty good. Well, my friend, we have brought you here to talk about market profile. And honestly, I'm excited to hear what you've brought to the table because it's been around for such a long time. When I was on the trading floor, that was, excuse my English, but that was the shit. Um, yeah. You know, market profile. Well, you got to know your market profile. And, and I did know my market profile and I used the market profile and it has sort of carried over to electronic and it works. It's a proven method. And that's why I'm really glad we got Matt here with us today. Matt, you know, I'm going to ask you right now, if you can break down market profile question, what is market profile for those that have heard about it, but really have not dug deep into it? Well, sure. I think quite simply, it's a tool and nothing more than a tool. And you might be really good with uh, a hacksaw and I might be really good with a three pound mallet. But everybody should have some knowledge and understanding, in my opinion, of market profile. There are no absolutes in, in this game of trading, and there are no things that work all the time perfectly. Like There is no holy grail, and you know that. I know that. Right. I would simply say to people, the thing about market profile is it tells you exactly where the market is on any time frame, on any asset class. Right now, it tells you where it's been. And from that information, we can attempt to discern where risk lies and where opportunities may begin. So to me, it's the best risk tool that I have in my bag. And I really do believe in keeping things simple in trading. And if you're a day trader, which I'm not necessarily a day trader unless we get into volatile times like we are in, but if you are a day performer or you trade on a month basis, or even as long as multiple years, the market profile is a very, very useful tool. A good example, Eddie, right now, if you were to take a look at, say, the market profile on a weekly viewpoint, and, and you looked at oil, you looked at crude oil right now, after crude has come down $30, right, in, in less than, let's call it three months, we've gone from 
77s all the way down to 47, just below 47, I think we hit this morning. But if you brought up a weekly profile, and you know, and this is where I've always been a top-down person when I look at the markets. I want to look at the longest term, 20 plus years, let's say, you know, especially on crude that's been trading, you know, since the late 70s, early 80s, that we can publicly look at those records. I want to look at the long-term trend, and then I want to break it down to the shorter term as a performer in the marketplace to find out where the market is on every time frame. How is market profile set up? Uh, like I said, I've used it before. I'm familiar with it. I see all these these letters, and uh, you know, they're shaped in pyramid shapes. And some of them, what's it about? So basically, there's a couple ways to look at it. You've got what they call uh, intraday, and then uh, charts are called TPOs, right? Time, price, and opportunity. So what that means is those letters are basically set up to uh, monitor price action for say 30 minutes at a time. When we open on the S&Ps from 8.30 in Chicago to 9 o'clock, you're going to get your first set of letters. And that's going to show where it opens, show where it closes, and show the, the size or the length of that spread between that opening 30 minutes. And then each 30 minutes throughout the day, we, we form another leg, if you will, of time and price. And then when you compose those and add them together, you get a composite view of what the market has done for the day, maybe what it's done for the last two days, three days, or the week, then you can look at it from two months. So you're looking at that time, you're looking at trades that happened at every price over any time period is really the simplest way to state what you're looking at. And it's a much different way because it's a composite. You've got both an individual you know, component and then a, a composite going on on the different time frames. That's really helps the trader to see uh, you're simply looking at, based on past prices and time at those prices, where the most trades have happened is really what they call it. So it's that point of control. Say, for example, again, today's market on, on crude or the S&P, you would have a point of control that's dynamic and changing as the day goes. So that could be moving up or down. That would be valuable information, wouldn't it? If you knew that the market started at a relative value point of, say, 26.50, and now it's up to 26.75, and maybe our point of control has slid up five to six points, right? So those types of information graphically become very important to traders as we go throughout our days, weeks, months, etc. Yes, very important. I got to agree with that. Now, market profile. All right, Matt, why has it worked for so long? Well, because I think it, it's not predicting anything for us, uh, Eddie. What it's doing is telling us where the market is in reference to the day's behavior. And as, as you know, pure day traders come in flat and they go home flat. That's a difficult game to play unless you have some references, which I think market profile are probably some of the best to use. If you're performing on a day basis and if you're performing, say, on a two-week basis. So the charts are going to look a little bit different. But, for example, if you were looking at crude today, you'd say, hey, we're below the day's value today, which is around 49.24, and we're trading at 47.40. So what are the things that can happen from here with that information? We can trade lower, which means we would get even further from the point of control. That rubber band would stretch further, mm -hmm. and potentially we would maybe find an area that would eventually lead to some exhaustion, we would hope. The way that we know that is really taking a look at, say, a five-year chart. And if you look at a five-year chart, Eddie, you're going to see that crude, we're actually coming into a really good point of control at around 43 to $46. If you're a long-term performer, there's probably going to be a good entry coming on crude here as we've come back into a value zone that is five years old. So what that means is there's five years of trades that have happened that people are both comfortable with buying and selling between this $43 and $46. It's the most traded price over the last five years. Now, other indicators that we look at, uh, yep. example, candlesticks. Sure. Is it just the trader's preference that they're watching and looking and using market profile as another trader would be using candlesticks? Uh, let's see. Um, you know, I use candlesticks on top of market profile and I'm not a pure, I've never been a pure candlestick guy. I don't, okay. you know, I don't, I don't, so I use them, but I, I don't go, Oh, there's a doji. There's a shooting star. They're not things that I use right. to enter and exit trades. I've always been Eddie, even before I used market profile and, and I traded 10 years before I used it every day. So let's say the first 10 years of the close to 30 that I've traded, 
I traded basically using this type of methodology without knowing where these numbers were. In other words, I didn't have them on my chart. I kind of compositely, my brain was good at seeing those areas over time. Mm -hmm. Then when I, you know, when I finally realized that, well, geez, this tool already exists and I had read about it 10 years ago, but I just didn't start using it until I was wiser. I wish I had. Because what it does for me, Eddie, is it greatly reduces volatility and the swings of your your performance. Market profile versus volume profile. Well, I tend to blur them. So volume profile, I would say I actually am more of a volume profile trader than a strict TPO or market profile trader. And that's, again, because I don't trade on a day time frame, so to speak. So most of the time, I'm operating on a, on a longer time frame. Usually a week to three weeks is kind of a sweet spot where I like to enter and exit positions. So for me, uh, the volume profile is really, you know, uh, versus, say, a volume weighted average. You know, a lot of people uh, like I will use an exponential moving average also on my charts. But if you were you, you were to come sit on my desk and, and see my charts, Eddie, you would see the only things I have in my charts are candles, a exponential moving average. I have volume. And I have a simple oscillator RSI. That's all I use. And all those things overlaid on top of market profile is all I use on my charts all the time. No matter what it is I'm trading, equities, options, futures, it's the same for me. I use the same setup regardless. So, All right. Now, you, you mentioned uh, some other products. I know we were talking crude just a little while ago. Uh, yep. are, are there any certain products that you probably say that you found work better with market profile than any others? Or is oh, it I think, straight I up across the, the board? I, uh, straight up across the board, honestly. If as long as it's a liquid stock, and by liquid for me, if it's you know if it's averaging a million shares a day, it's a liquid stock. It works great there. Again, on multiple time frames, I like the longer time frames for stocks with the market profile versus day action. But again, I've never been a day trader, so that's the way that I operate. But I think that the S and P, if you're new to it, works fantastic. Oil has its own kind of biorhythm with the market profile that works fantastic. I think gold is, is perfect for the longer-term traders. NASDAQ, obviously, Russell, Dow, any of the, any of the indices, just like the S&P, work great. So it's a tool that works across all markets. There's a term that we've heard along with market profile, the POC, the point of control. Right. Now, can you explain how we get the point of control and how we can utilize it? Sure. I kind of touched on it earlier, but basically what the point of control is, a.k.a. I call them value zones. They are the areas on the time frame that you're considering behaving in and taking risk that show the most buys and sells, right? So it's, it's, it's showing a composite. If the most buys and sells happen, as I said earlier, in crude today in the last 24 hours at 49 and a quarter range, well, we're sitting now $2 below that point of control. That point of control is dynamic, Eddie, as you know, and it moves. So it can move up or down or stay flat, just like any price. But right now, we happen to be a solid $2 below the value just for the last 24 hours. Because what's happening is we take into effect, you know, the 9.30 yesterday and 9.30 today. And, and during that time, the most traded price has been 4925 so what that tells us is the point of control typically acts as a positive or a negative magnet, meaning it is pushing price away from it or pulling it towards it. So simply today, if we were to come in and we hadn't been around markets for a while, we would say price is being pushed away from the point of control today in crude oil. And at some point, it should exhaust and it will revert close back to that point of control is really the way that people use it. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to do it today or tomorrow or the next day. Now, the timing component is what has to be used on the longer time frame to really, again, that's where I say, you, you know, you can start with a top-down approach and look at multiple years back to see you're not going to trade often on a, on a longer-term profile. But when that profile gets to an area, as I suggested, that crude is getting, towards the end of this year, and I thought that we would probably get this, this push down to 44 to $46, and it looks like we're close. I mean, we hit right. 46 and 7 today. So if you were a longer-term performer like I am, guess what? I'm going to start buying in the 46s, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to layer down to 43s, and I'm going to be wrong if it starts trading and closing under the 42 level. 
So for me, Eddie, it really helps to define where the risk is in the trade. I know where I'm wrong before I get into the trade. I will put on a trade. I will scale into it with the largest purchases possibly never happening. I may never see $43. Mm-hmm. So I want to start buying. And until this market really shows that it's you know ready to turn around, I'm going to acquire down to that level. And I basically have a scale system that I use that will buy bigger pieces as we get closer to that ultimate low. And again, not every time will I put on a full position. It's very rare. And that's typically the way I trade. I may have 20% of my position size and then you know, I, I picked it up, say, at $46, and it may ran, run to 50 Well, the trade kind of happened, and I'm probably going to exit at that, that point. With market profile, what are the better reads? Is there a best time for market profile, the overnight trade, the day trade? Is it night and day, or is it very comparable? Well, I like to tell people, Eddie, that the most, you know, if you're trading U.S. indices, it's most effective on the most traded times, which is during open market hours. Now, there's three open markets. We have the Asian markets, we have the European, and we have the U.S. markets. Each one of them has a similar open and close that you could utilize with the profile. But depending on who in the world is kind of driving the markets, which today I would argue that is, it's all happening because of whatever is happening in the U.S. today. I think the markets are pretty much driven by what is happening in the U.S. and the other you know, Asian and the European markets are following us. Now, it's not always like that. So to understand the context, and your, your question is a very good one, you know, when does it work? Well, it does work in all aspects, but wherever the volume is the greatest, which happens to be when I'm trading U.S. products, it's going to be during U.S. hours. All right, Matt, uh, most effective time, market profile, short-term or long-term trading? It works for both. I just think it's a personal preference how you want to behave. I don't like to be forced into I must be flat at the end of a trading day. Difference, you know, maybe between you and I, Eddie, is I never traded on the floor. And we kind of talked about this before. Just like my hero, Marty Schwartz, Pitbull, if I go down, you know, I've been down to the floor and I had I had friends that, you know, literally traded in the pits and I'd go down with them. And I'm an athletic six foot one, you know, fat, 240 pounds today. But at a mean weight, I was probably 210, 220. And it's a very physical world down there. That is your market profile. You tell by the way people behave by their physicality in the pits much more than a screen trader like myself, who's always been a screen trader, behaves, right? So that's a distinct big difference. But if you couple that with knowing where the areas are with your physicality, I assure you the people that did well down on the floor knew where their zones were, their value zones. Whether they were a day trader, whether they were looking at a week chart, two weeks. If you know those numbers and you kind of just like everybody has their numbers when they go into the pits, you're going to be at a serious advantage over the rest of the players just by knowing those. Now, what to do with those is a whole different thing, as you know, Eddie. But how to behave and how to put markets into context, how to put them into nuance, the key is to discerning and understanding how to read markets a little bit better. So I wouldn't say that there's, again, there's any exactness in using market profile any more than any other tool. It's just a very helpful tool to allow me to establish where my risk parameters are best suited, whether or not to play or whether or not to step aside. Right. That's really what it comes down to as performers. Do we want to be in this market? Do we want to be long? Do we want to be short or do we want to be neutral? Really, those are your options as a trader every day. Let me just add, though, on the trading floor, if you didn't know your limitations, you'd find them out really quick. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Besides market profile, we touch base on candlesticks and so forth. Is there any other market data you like to watch uh, and uh, use? Yes, absolutely. I use advanced decline numbers. I like the wholesale numbers. I want to look at the AD for NASDAQ. I want to look at the AD for the Dow stocks. I want to look at the AD for the the big New York stocks. And then I have a composite that I look at. Very often when when you start seeing positive AD numbers of 3,000 plus, it's going to be a trend day. If you see it in minus 3,000, it's very possible it's going to be a trend day the other way. So extremes utilizing uh, advanced decline lines are very key tells. Uh, obviously, looking at different indices, whether it's housing, if housing's hot, or semiconductors, obviously, are key tell for a lot of markets. These types of things, because I spent so much time uh, kind of trading you know, portfolios around of maybe up to 20 stocks in the past, 
really uh, taught me a lot about how all markets are interconnected. And I will say, Eddie, that people really need to understand that markets change all the time. And as I said to you, today the U.S. may be the leader in the world, but in two years it might be Shanghai, right? And those types of subtle differences, I, I think, are the key to success when people begin to pick up on those things. Forever evolving. And uh, yeah. the thing is, if it didn't, we wouldn't have the competition. We wouldn't have the volume. We wouldn't have the markets. We wouldn't have the opportunities. So uh, That's part, correct. part of that is uh, definitely positive. Now, let's turn a little bit over to the educational side of sure. you, Matt. Now, uh, from some of the uh, feedback that we've got, you being affiliate with us here at Top Step, the education opportunity with you is so beneficial. Let me ask you, in your experience of educating, what have you found to be the trader's biggest mistake? Uh, I think impatience. Biggest. Whether you're capitalized or not is important, but even if you're smallly capitalized right. and patient, you can make money in this game. I think what happens I've seen both people that are undercapitalized and overcapitalized lose all their money. And kind of to your point, Eddie, you'll find out your weaknesses real quick personally in this game of trading if you don't know them already. So I think that uh, understanding what your strengths and, and, and weaknesses are before you get into uh, trading is very beneficial. Uh, almost doing a, you know, a pre-trade audit every day. Like, how are you feeling? You know, if you have distractions in your life, you got a marriage, you got a, a funeral, don't trade. You know, right. I've always said that, you know, stay away from the markets when your attention can't be there. Or, if you think you want to be a day trader, what is it about day trading that is alluring you to the game? Is it because you think you can do what you do 10 times a day? That may be the case in certain markets, but in most markets, you, even a day trader might only be looking for one or two opportunities. So you really have to be realistic, I believe, in your expectations. And I believe that expectations also, along with impatience, are a problem. Because people's expectations are sometimes unjust and not fair and really not even possible. So I think really setting realistic expectations is much more important than over, you know, saying I'm going to make X a year or X a week or X a day. When people start talking to me that way, I think that's going to set them up for false. Oh, for a, yeah, for a heartbreak. Yes. <laughs> Financially. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was one of the things I was taught. Is you know you don't come into every day saying this is my target to make money. You come in every day saying how much money can I afford to lose? That's correct. This is going to keep you above the waterline. This is going to keep you coming back for the next trade day. And whatever the market gives you, a hundred, two hundred, three thousand, ten thousand. Whatever the market gives you, you'd be happy. And, uh, you know, you go home, you get on the train, you read your paper sports section and you, and you go <laughs> home and you, you know, and it's part of the process. And if you can accept that, you're going to be a successful trader. It's just really, and I really got to agree with you on this. It's how you approach the market, how you look at the market and what the market gives you. You know, that's, that's something that a lot of people forget, Matt. And I'm glad that you brought that back up. Yeah, it's my pleasure because I, I'll tell you, you know, what happens, Eddie, is I, I get this, and I was just talking to a, a new client last week who asked me, he said, well, I want to make $1,000 a day. And I said, well, that's great. Uh, that's lofty. Uh, I don't know how you came to that number, right? And that's, and I, I basically have to walk him off. And I, I'm like, well, listen, I had to basically tell him that never has it been a linear business. Never has it been a business where I expect a paycheck every second Friday. Never has it been a business where I don't have a game plan for if I'm right and wrong, how will I behave? If I don't have both sides of those covered, in other words, what if I'm wrong and it goes the other way? Do I have a plan for that? When am I, you know, when do I get out and when do I possibly reverse my trade. And that's not always, you know, I'm not that type of trader where I'm like, I'm wrong and I got to flip and go the other way because I'm not short-term biased, really. I may be wrong and I may be get back, I may get back on that trade two days later the same way at a higher price than I bought today when I stopped out, right? But there was some, there was more information that came to me 
via the market profile and the tools that I use that said, okay, you know, you tested it, you were wrong, still get back in, everything looks good, do it again. But with restraint, where am I wrong? I, I think this is, again, such a key point, Eddie. I think I really try to encourage people to really understand how difficult this business is because it is, it is the hardest thing you're going to do. Like we talked a little bit before you came on. You've got to know that you're just going to be wrong more often than you're going to be right. And if you have ego around that and that, that kind of uh, drives you, you'll yeah. probably never succeed in this business. Yeah. Uh, ego, yeah. It's the killer. You want to leave it at the door, and you, you probably heard that before, leave your ego at the door. You trade humble, uh, you walk out, you survive, and right. you need to think that. Now, Matt, how about some basic rules? All right, um, share with us some of your basic trading rules that you believe every trader needs to know. Now, you mentioned, uh, I think you mentioned patience earlier. You want to? Yep. Can you put that in the mix? Oh, I think you absolutely have to uh, learn patience if you don't have it. I think the other things as part of your process, and, and thank you for bringing up that word. It's funny now that every athlete is, you know, uses that line, right? It's all about the process. It's all about the process. You know, every coach has always preached that. If you can't, you know, I don't know if you were watching that Monday night game last night and they were talking about Cam Newton, how he doesn't go to practice now, like Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, which is new. Like, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no wonder his game has dropped because he's not practicing with the game players in, in game situations and practice two of the four days a week. I don't know why that is, Eddie, but he's stopped his process. And if you stop your process, no matter if I've been doing this for 29 years or you've been doing it for 29 days, mm -hmm. if you don't have a process that you can go back to and know that it works, you're going to go off the rails really hard and really fast. See, that's just it. Like You mentioned process. And if you sort of put that as the big picture process, I mean, you're going to yep. be able to break that down numerous times. One of the things, I just came across it today, Ray Lewis football mm -hmm. player, right? He just made the Hall right. of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Now, he grew up using a deck of cards. All right, now you're thinking, what, to be a magician? No, <laughs> to do push-ups and sit-ups. If he drew oh, a seven, oh. he'd do seven push-ups. If he drew an I ace, like he'd do 25. A joker, 30, whatever, push-ups, sit-ups. He'd go through the whole deck. And then once he got to the NFL, he'd do it three times for each exercise. And that also was the reason he wore number 52, because there's 52 oh, cards wow. in a deck. That's what I that's said. Cool. I was like, that's oh, cool. wow, that's cool. Exactly. So yeah. that was a process that he kept and uh, he believed in. Obviously, if he got the number 52, the process works. And as long as you fill that process with yes. positive things that work for you, it's going to be, I'm not going to say an easier road, but it's going to be a smoother ride and you're going to see success a lot more often. And part of that process is understanding context, right? And every market has a little bit different biorhythm. Well, you know, oil trades differently than crude. The hours are different. Mm. The players are different. Ultimately, I don't care who the players are in any market I trade, but I need to be aware what OPEC is saying if I'm trading oil. Even though I'm not a news trader, I know that that news or that oil WTI report that's coming out every Wednesday is a binary event, and everybody knows it's coming, mm -hmm. just like the Fed meeting today and tomorrow. These are binary events. Do I have an edge before the event? No. So I tend, when I know these events are coming, I'll use, I'll use the FOMC, I will be out of the market, even even longer-term positions. I've got it marked on my calendar. I know that this was the week. So by the end of last week, I was out of my positions when it came to the ES, and I'm going to wait until the Fed. On top of that, I've got the holidays coming. So I know from doing this for 28 years that basically from post-Thanksgiving up until the 15th of December, which has passed, that's about the only decent, like normal trade that we have in October. After that, I'm waiting until, you know, about January 15th right. for kind of normal context to come into play. Right. So I, I've always called this holidays, you know, with a ZE, because we have kind of, even though we have a market that seems to be selling off every day, it's, it's orderly. And it's just, kind of, we're kind of like grinding out the end of this year. We're going to go lower just because we've been going that way for the last three months, right? To me, there's no fundamental reason except for 
markets tend to exaggerate the moves that they're happening, whether it's month end, quarter end, year end, as they do. And that's, again, something that you learn from watching markets over and over again. So I also choose, Eddie, to define my process by when am I the best performer? I can tell you if I got rid of Monday mornings and Friday afternoons and and even sometimes complete Mondays and complete Fridays and just instituted Tuesday to Thursday only trading, my performance probably would edge up even a little bit higher. But uh, I'm such a degenerate that I need to watch Monday and Friday. But I don't trade as often on Mondays and Fridays as, as maybe when I first started. Right. And partially, and partially because it, it, I know it's the animal spirits, both on the open after a weekend and on a close before the weekend. And those animal spirits are really uh, not easy to predict. <laughs> See, it, it takes someone to really be honest with themselves to say, you know what? I mean, usually Mondays, people, you know, I, I want to jump in the pond before I even check, you know, the temperature of the water. I want right. to get in there. I want to trade. And, and that's what would happen on the trading floor. You'd see some guys, you know, a 30 seconds before we open up, the bell's going to be ringing here. Boom, running in the pit. What's here? What's here? No setup, no pre-market prep, uh, right. you know, no checklist. I'm just, I just want to turn the computers on and, uh, and, uh, you know, fling a three lot just let's get started here which which is wrong i mean you know you mentioned about the fomc and you know how you sort of step back from the market not trading get yourself right. ready or yep. the market is is in a situation or an event that i don't want it's like the fomc you know what what I, my term is i sit on the curb and i watch the parade go by and i'm going right. to sit on the curb until i feel it's comfortable for me to get back into a trade when the dust settles. All right, now I can see the market a little bit better. Let's see what the market wants to do. And that's right. how I set up. So yeah, traders, I, there's a lot of curb space here. You know, when a number comes out, come sit on the curb with me and we'll watch the parade go by. Seriously, it's the hard, it's, it's one of the hardest things for people to learn because now let me say nuance being if we've had a huge move into a, a telegraphed event, then I kind of know, like, how should this, you know, is this thing really stretched? Is it really, has it been going up into this news? Has it been going down? That's important in discerning how the market reacts to the actual event. So mm -hmm. you know, everybody's been talking about, hey, this market's going to, they're going to raise rates again. Well, yeah, that's been pretty well telegraphed. But if they don't tomorrow, what does the market do? Or what do I expect it to do? And if they right. do... What do I expect it to do? And if they do nothing, what do I expect it to do? These are the games I like to play. It's almost like playing chess. You sit there and go, okay, if they do nothing and it goes up, am I a buyer or a seller? Do I know? Do I, do I even have anything in mind? Like I like to go through these scenarios, Eddie, before they even happen. So when they happen, I don't have to think about it. It's, it becomes rote. It, and that's where the practice component of it comes in. Mm -hmm. More of trading is practicing in your head. It's almost visualization. Like you hear these athletes, these super athletes like Brady talk about, you know, I just, you know, or even now they have these tools for these college kids where they literally can do reps in a training room without getting their bodies pounded by their, you know, they basically, you know, have a whole algorithm of video that they can throw at them. And how do you react in those situations? Right. Yeah. And they put on, a, they put on a virtual headset, you know, especially with what you guys have at top step. People can do that. They can practice doing that before trading real money and get good at it. And then when you get good at taking losses and, and taking your stops and taking winners, like you said, get, taking what the market gives you day by day, then you start to build this process that is one brick at a time that allows you then to start risking real money and knowing that you can always fall back in your process. Yeah. It's not a big deal if you're wrong. It is not a big deal to take a loss if it's part of your process. Right. And like you said, foundation, you know, brick by brick, yeah. you know, brick by brick. we use the term, you know, base hits, get on base. You start filling the bases up. You're going to get runs, base hits, base hits. And the thing is, you meet some of these new traders like, you know, you're talking, I'm going to make a thousand dollars in a day. I'm going to make a thousand dollars a day. Thing is, they're swinging for the fence. You know, right. How, how many times are you actually going to hit that home run versus you're going to go back to the dugout and sit on the bench? I mean. You've got to be, you've, you've got to trade small and, you know, with trading small, you can always grow bigger. But the bad thing is if you start big and you're wrong, you're not going to be able to go small. 
you have to be able to, to, as you said earlier, Eddie, you have to be able to survive another day because that's all you have in this business is a chance to, you know, brick by brick, you know, build another layer. And it's amazing over short periods of time, you'll go on runs, right? You'll have a 10 day row where you made a thousand dollars, like you said, and that's great, but don't expect that to be the norm. That may have been just a great streak, right. but take it, you know, take advantage of it, take your profits, but don't just don't think that that's going to start happening every day. Markets and, and the context of the markets are important right now. Again, we're very volatile. We, we basically had, I would say, four distinct periods this year. We had January, which was <clears throat> brutal for traders like you and I probably, where we just went up every day. Then we had February, March, April, where it was volatile. And then we resumed up again from basically May through September. Again, very slow, different type of trading. And then October turned on the lights, and we've had this fall sell-off again. Mm -hmm. And now everybody's getting really bearish. But I'm like, eh, it's the end of the year. I still think, you know, you know, th this is just my macro opinion. I think we'll probably be done with this sell-off probably, you know, by the end of the year or early January, and we'll probably have another bump up again. But I don't hang my hat on that. I just trade what we have in front of us. Right now, I can trade both sides of the market, long, short, and make money, especially if you're good at reading profile and reading levels. I like to play with options a lot because I don't even have to pick directions. I'm more like, all right, when we go up, I'll, I'll sell out of the money calls. When we go down, I'll sell out of the money puts. And we're kind of in this contained you know, range. But that also will change, and you need to know, and you need to understand how to read that when it does change so you can't, you know, Different techniques work in different types of markets, and that's why I just bring that up because it's really important. Not every market is the same. Volatile markets in 2000 are much different than volatile markets in 2000. Like I had somebody ask me the other day, is this just like 2008 and 9? I'm like, no, it's nothing like that. Right, right. I mean, it's, it doesn't even – like there's no fear in this market in my opinion. You know, we're nowhere near like what we saw in 07, 8, 9. It's pretty garden variety. Right. It's forever evolving, and just remember that. Now, Matt – We've got a Facebook community of some fantastic traders that, you know, share their ideas, help each other out, pat each other on the back, pick up yep. each other off the ground. It's a great community we've got. And yep. I put out there, I said, you know, we've got Matt Davio coming on and he talks market profile. Do you have any questions? So we got a bunch of questions. I pulled out four of the questions. Can I ask you these questions? Sure. All right. Sure. All right, the first question, this is from Raul, and his question, can we scalp using market profile in such a volatile market, or should we just use it as re a reference tool? Here's why. I could be a scalper, Eddie, mm -hmm. but I'm too fragile. In other words, I have no problem losing a few times a week, but I don't want to lose 10 times a day and be a good scalper. There's something about that for me that makes it difficult. So if you know yourself, and you know you can be disciplined enough to stop and scalp, sure, you could absolutely use it. Because it's a reference in the, in the question, you know, Raul's question was, yeah, you, you should use it as a reference even if you're not using it to trade. But I think if you use it wisely, you're probably going to find that you don't want to use it to scalp. You know, I use the backdrop of where the point of control is kind of as, a, as reference areas to where I want to put on bigger size because in those areas, it's, it's less likely that I'm going to burn through that zone of comfortable traders, both long and short. See, this is the thing that people don't understand. The volume on the, on the profile shows us that both buyers and sellers like that price. It's a price that they're both happy with. Until we move out of that and move away from it, whether it's lower or higher, and then there's a different set of, there's a new set of areas that now are the point of control. So this is the way that the market moves. Nothing moves in a straight line. And so if you're a scalper, sure, you can use it. And matter of fact, what I would do is I would pick those areas where there's less volume. And you know when it breaks those areas, it's going to move quickly. So, yeah, absolutely. You can use it as a, as a reference area, but a tool that will pick your spots a lot better than, say, just price itself. Okay. All right. Next yeah. question is from Far East Freedom. Question, how do you apply market profile to a night session? So personally, again, I, I don't right now, I'm not doing a lot of trading overnight, but it, it would be the same way. Europe opens for me. I'm on the West Coast. Europe opens 1130, 12 midnight, my time, you know, nine, uh, 10 o'clock your time, Eddie. So I would start. There's enough tools out there, whether it's, uh, you know, Window Trader, uh, Terry makes, Terry Lieberman, they make a great product, Window Blue. You can 
build profile onto Ninja Charts now. You can do it on Thinkorswim. You guys have it uh, built onto your platform. I don't really care what you use and how you use it, but put it on your charts and start start monitoring and watching the way that markets react around these points of control. Overnight, there's less volume, so you're going to have less information. Again, I find it to be right now, I don't trade, say, an overnight session. That's not what I do. I'm, I'm more concerned with a, a two-week chart than I am, you know, two days. Okay. So you can use it, but the value of the information is better the more volume that you have, I guess is what I would say. So if you wanted to switch to Asian stocks or European stocks or European bourses and trade the DAX, for example, that's what I would do. I, I would use market profile to trade the DAX and the FTSE versus trading the NASDAQ overnight. All right. Uh, next question. Sean McFarland was asking about what kind of indicators. You mentioned that earlier. Use of an oscillator. Do you find that the turning points where traders tend to enter are beset by algos? Oh, well, I mean, you know, machines have always been there. I've, again, I've always been a screen trader. They've always been there. I don't trade against them. So their, their, their volume of transactions are built in the profile. So I don't think about it that way. I don't get hung up on they and, and, sure. and algos. I just say it's all built into the, to the metrics that I use to look at the market. So I'm not trying to compete against the scalping machines. So I don't concern myself with them. All right. Uh, next question here from Jake Snyder. When trading a trend day on the market profile and you don't get in early, where do you look to enter and how do you define your risk? It's a good question. And it's a difficult one to answer. Trend days, I think, are the hardest days to trade. Well, let, let me say this. I break a day up. So my process will be pregame and then intragame and then postgame. My pregame is, okay, Here's where we are. Here were our ranges from closed yesterday to now. Here were our ranges from yesterday in the open session. So I mark, I know opening session highs, lows every day, and I mark them in a book. I mark them in a journal. I put them on my charts. I also know the opening 30 minutes, and I know the opening 60 minutes of every, say, S&P market. I know what the high and low is. Typically, a trend day will be the best place to figure out if you're going to start a trend day is if you break simply the high of the 60 or you, you break the low of the 60, and then you hold it. So a really good low-risk you know, entry for me is if I want to play momentum – if the market had been going down uh, as it had the last couple of days and you know shut down there to 2530, which was a key you know reference low for the year, nothing more. It wasn't really a big number on the on the profile, by the way. So I have a feeling that we'll go back and test that low again, still here probably by the end of the year of 2530, and we'll probably go through it and we'll go lower if we break that. Doesn't mean we'll do it this week. Doesn't mean we'll do it next week. But when we do, we'll, that reference will be important again. So it really comes down to, you know, how you want to use the profile and how you want to establish risk levels. So uh, I don't know if I'm really answering that question very well, but I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to give you again context of how, you know, my process is. So I'll look at an opening hour and knowing what that opening hour high low is. If we break out of it one way or the other, it's possible again that the trend could be in play. And, and then I would I would use often Eddie's I use a ten I use a ten exponential moving average. Anytime that we come back and kind of reference that 10 has nothing to do with the profile, pure price action, we come back to that 10, I'll buy more. You know, I'll, let, I'll pyramid it up. So if, for example, I had bought 25.64 today, and on the chance that it looks like we're going to, you know, we put in a bottom there after the, the, the lunch session, uh, I would then probably, I would when we reached up there to 25.75, which, by the way, was the high of the opening hour, we tested that again and kind of failed. But if I wanted to buy it again, I'd come back and buy it somewhere around 25.70. And you know we're sitting at 25.72 right now. And now I'd probably move my stop to break even or something like that if I were you know looking looking to pyramid onto the position that I'd started. Remember, I started the position at 64. So I look for retests of obvious areas where I know other day players will come in and support me. All right. Well, Matt, thank you very much. And uh, I'm going to put an invite out there to you. If you'd like to join our uh, Facebook community, yeah. lots of great people in there. And we'd love yeah. to have you stop in and, and sign autographs and kiss babies and, <laughs> and do what you got to do. <laughs> now, awesome stuff. All right. 
done with the questions. I got all that hard stuff out. Now it's time for the Eddie question. This is something that we're bringing to our podcasts. Now, Matt, you're having a historical dinner, okay? Um, Now, what three people, alive or dead, would you most like to invite? And what are you serving? Three people. Anybody. Uh, Okay. Um, I'm going to go David Bowie. David Bowie. Good answer. Harry Truman. Wow. Okay. And Bo Schembechler. Wow. All right. That's 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 a really cool variety. <laughs> and what are you going to serve at this historical dinner? You know, I'm going to make some homemade gnocchi with uh, oh. like a sausage marinara sauce, mm. simple, and, and then a big Caesar salad. Nothing, uh. nothing fancy. I'm not a fancy type guy, but I, it's one of those dishes that I always feel good after eating. All right. If, if we if we open it up for one more invite, can I come? Absolutely. Good. You're Munch. absolutely. My yeah. pie's on. Okay. Yeah. All right, Matt. Now, uh, after those listening here, there, there's probably a lot of people saying, you know, how do we get a hold of Matt? I want to get a hold of Matt. Matt, how can we contact you online? You can go to my website, marketprofiletradingacademy.com. I know it's a long name, but it searches well, and that's what the that's what the SEO guys tell me, at least. You can reach me. My, my email is daviomatt at gmail anytime. I, you know, I, I receive questions all the time. I'm happy to answer them. I work with people typically one-on-one just because I honestly, I like working with people. You know, the reason why you do probably your podcast is twofold. You enjoy doing it. You like people. That's why I did mine. That's why I've done interviews and videos myself, Eddie. So I appreciate when people spend their time doing this because when you're just starting in this business or maybe you're struggling and we all go through struggles, it's good to have community and it's good to have people that have had similar experiences, just as you said earlier. And uh, that's where we that's where we learn from our mistakes. I've had traders that are like, no, you got to trade by yourself. You got to be the lone wolf trader. You got to. And I, I, you know. I'm trying to put myself in their shoes and, and those shoes just aren't fitting. It's like, you know what? In this career, in this business, even on the trading floor, you know, we'd have our groups and when it came time to work, we were very competitive. All right. Yep. Dog eat dog. But when somebody went down or something happened, it would become a group effort. The filling, the filling broker next to you had an error. Okay. You'd try to get bids or offers, whatever needed to happen to try to get him out of a trade or try to get that phone clerk off the wire. Um, yeah. you know, he's hung. The phone clerk's hung. And it wasn't really a phone clerk that used to give you business, but you never wanted to see that. It's like any like any business, Eddie. You're right. You do business with them, right? You transact, buy and sell, but people's memories are short and they're long also, meaning if you don't treat people with respect, you're going to make the same mistake yourself and you know it. So <laughs> right. you might as well try to build that community. Uh, you know, even when I was in the business world, listen, I kind of approached it, even though I was selling medical devices to surgeons and, and nurses, I would, my question was, what is the one thing that is just eating up your mind space today? that most likely is not going to have anything to do with me. But if I can take that off their plate so they can free up to do what their job really is, and we all have that in our days, then they're going to be better suited to, you know, help me when I need help down the road. It's just the way it works. That's how people are. We want, we all have our walks and our, our crosses to bear. And it's hard only if you want to isolate yourself. But I think having the community is so helpful, no matter what it is you do in life. Right. And it's also helpful to have a friend, an educator like Matt Davio, thorough education, market profile, trading academy. Check it out. Uh, Matt, I really appreciate you being with us here. And, and maybe uh, second quarter, give you a call and come back and we can uh, we can talk some more. I would love to do it, Eddie. It's been great. It's been All right. really, really fantastic having, you know, having me on. Thank you very much. Matt, thank you for the time. Thank you for the sharing of the education. And thank you for the friendship. Um, have a great, great 2019 trading. And uh, we'll talk again. Thank you. And I can't wait for us to have that dinner. That would be a heck of a dinner, I think. <laughs> I want to see what Truman's got to say about the aliens, Area 51. He knew <laughs> Me all too. About he knew all about that. <laughs> Me right. too. I really do. I agree with you. <laughs> all right. All right. Take care, Matt. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thanks, Eddie. John, you know, I could listen to Matt all day. I took notes on this interview. Uh, like I said, I am familiar and I use Market Profile, but Matt takes it to another level. 
Well, it's a, it's a lifelong study, Eddie. It's something that if you start to learn it, there's always more and more to learn. One of the most important things that, that he said, and I, and I completely agree with him, is nothing works or doesn't work. The profile is a great tool in any instrument, in any time frame that you want to use it in. So if you're trading the E-mini S&Ps and, and you're getting good at reading the context through the market profile, you can, of course, transfer that knowledge into another product because basically these are all alike. They're continuing, never-ending auctioning processes in both directions in infinite time frames. So it works for context in anything. You know, John, I really like the questions that our Facebook community shared with Matt. And uh, many confuse point of control to a similar market settlement. Now, point of control, like Matt mentioned, is like a magnet, either pushing price away or pulling it towards it. What's your take on that? Well, point of control has always been, I've always considered it for any time frame. Let's just say for the day time frame, the point of control is the fairest price of the day. It is the point where the market spent the most time or was visited the most in market profile or in volume profile, the point of control is the, the single price that had the highest volume. So the point of control is a comfy level for traders. Oh, comfy. Comfy. It, it is. John, you know, I really like how Matt understands the simplicity approach to successful trading. The, the K-I-S-S, the good old KISS. Um, if you haven't heard that in the trading world, uh, look it up. It's 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 a great sort of uh, template to go yeah, off of. Keep it super simple. Right, right. It's just so hard for some to grasp some of those must-haves and need-to-be rules and keeping it simple. You know, he explains why they are needed quite well. Well, yeah, the more indicators, the more things you have on your charts, the more likely you're going to be looking at contrary information. Find the, the, the simple tools, the simple way that you can view the marketplace and look for those asymmetric opportunities. Limit risk, bigger rewards. Once you can find that, trim, make sure you trim, keep things trimmed down, and it's going to help you with your decision-making process. This is hard enough. Making a good choice, a good decision is difficult in this ambiguous environment. Keeping things simple will help. Exactly. It'll get you from one goal to the next very easy. John, thank you so much for joining me here today. Well, thank you for having me, Eddie. The market profile is, again, my tool. I can't trade without it. And uh, anybody that agrees with me on that, I'm very happy to be here. All right. Thanks, John. All right, traders, as always, thank you for spending some time with us. If you enjoyed this interview, please feel free to leave us a rating or review. It helps us to reach new traders. Until then, we'll see you next time. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Eddie. And thank you, Matt. All right, thanks, Matt. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Editing and post-production of this episode was done by Dante32. Futures and Forex trading contains substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.